Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our series we've titled In God We Trust. There is no doubt that we are living in a season of chaos and conflict, but that does not have to deplete your soul. The things that you read in the news or on your social media does not have to indicate how you are living inside. We, my friends, can live in confidence knowing that God is for us, He cares about us, and that we have confidence no matter what we face. And in this series, we're going to be unpacking what that looks like for you. So would you join with us and come along as we truly can proclaim in God we trust. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our second week in our series, In God We Trust. Last week, we examined two prayers that we can use in our personal lives to build our trust in God. And now this week, we're going to take it in that next step and look into whether we are under the influence of God or the world around us, the culture around us, the society, whatever you want to call it, are we under God or are we under the world around us? Now, I'd like to begin with a simple question for you. That is, how can we live in this culture that we're in and still be under God? The reality is, is we're all in a culture that is extremely anti-God. It's the world we live in. We are not in a Christian nation anymore. Now, I realize some people would say we are, but we are post-Christian in at least the United States of America. And so we are mostly a culture that doesn't value God. Now, there is plenty of us who do. And thankfully, our nation allows for the freedom of religion, right? It's one of the beautiful freedoms we have in America that so many countries don't have. And so how do we remain under the influence of God in a society that is anti-God? It allows for God, but depending on where you live, it's not really accepted. And so our passage that we're going to be basing our, 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 our message off of today is found in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. And just let me read it for you and, and let it speak to you, the power of God's truth today. And so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So how can you faithfully represent him? How can you faithfully live humbly for him in a culture, in a world that doesn't. So, to begin with this thought of examining, are we under God or are we under the world? I want to just examine a few areas in our life that truly reflect where our alliance really is. Because, bottom line, today, how you live 
is a representation of what you believe. Your beliefs become actions. And though you may make proclamation that I live under God, the reality is what you really believe and what you really live out reflects whether you are or not. So let's examine these few areas that will reflect whether you are under God or under culture. Now, I want to say on the onset that if you don't score so high on these, this doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that God's going to reject you or hates you or whatever. It just reveals that our hearts need to be brought back to where they need to be. And it gives us an opportunity to truly get on fire for God again. And so don't take this as a, as a slap in the face. May it be a wake-up call. So the very first one that I would like to have you just reflect upon, and, and if you want to scale it, you sure can, a scale of one or zero being way under the influence of culture in the world, or a 10, that being under God and like Jesus-like, like nobody's going to be a 10. So if you're scaling yourself at a 10 today, then you're calling yourself Jesus. And so please don't do that. Like that is the ultimate goal that we are all reaching to, that we will one day be transformed into the image of Christ, which will only happen when we get to heaven. Okay, so the first one, let's look at entertainment. And so when you go to watch your Netflix or you listen to your music, or you turn on your social media, or the news channel, whatever it might be, when you go to your entertainment, do you reflect upon whether or not that will bring you closer to Jesus? Or do you go with whatever your friends are telling you, or whatever uh, the latest review says about this movie, or TV show, or music? Do you allow what culture is saying, pop culture, whatever you want to call it, do you allow that to tell you, oh, I need to go watch that? You know, when you're around the infamous water jug at your office, what people are talking about says, oh, I got to go watch it. You want to be a part of the crew, the cool people, right? It goes back to the old high school desire inside of all of us. We want to be where the people are. We want to be cool. We want to be liked, right? And for so many of us, we allow that to determine whether we watch or listen to certain things. We want to be liked. So we allow that to be what influences us, not what will this bring me closer to God or push me away from him. So that's entertainment. Now finances, right? What are the big things that influence us? Entertainment, news, media, our money, our status, our power. And so when you get your paycheck, now this is a little different in today's society because many of us just get it directly wired right to our bank account and then we set up all of our, our bills and all of our maybe even giving straight from our bank statement and we never even see it, right? But it's the heart that we want to look at because... Maybe you don't live the infamous old way of you put your check in the bank and then you write the checks out to your, you know, utilities and your car payment and your house payment, all that stuff. But still, the thought is there. And so when it comes to your finances and your paycheck, what drives you? Do you have to pay everything off first and, and 
get your priorities and your needs and your desires met before you give to God? Or when you get that money, you say, God, what do you want me to do with it? What honors you? What, what do you want me to give towards? This is your money, God. Living under the influence of God would say, it's yours first and foremost. You'll pay for my needs. And that's hard to do because this world around us, what does it tell us to do? Take care of yourself. You're not a good U.S. citizen if you rely on somebody else to pay for your way, to take care of your needs. But truly, that's what we do when we come to God. We say, God, you take care of our needs and we're going to give to you first. If you tell me to give my paycheck to a missionary or to a project at church or to something that glorifies God and builds his kingdom, I'll do it. And so we have entertainment. Where do we get our influence from when we come to watching or listening to something? And we have finances. What determines where our money goes, us or God? And then, how about how we speak? The words you speak. <laughs> Does it reflect what honors God, what builds other people up, what, what brings life and hope and anticipation? Or does it, again, reflect the culture, what people are talking about the president as or the governor as, you know? Like, you, you hear them talking about maybe a news article, and you get caught up in the negativity that they're talking about. Or maybe there's somebody who's not doing well in the company and has made some bad choices and everybody's talking about how they're going to be the next one on the axe to be cut. What, what is your speech like? Is it bringing life or is it it's so easily caught up in the culture because you don't want to be left out. You don't want to all of a sudden be categorized with that person who they're mocking and teasing and saying things about. You don't want to stand up and risk not being liked. And so you just go with the crowd around you. Speaking reflects whether we're under God, standing up for what's right, what honors Him, or fitting in, making sure that you are okay. Well, if those weren't hard enough, how you, how you entertain yourself, how you take care of your money and your finances and your gifts and time and your words that you speak, how about your self-worth? Is what God says about you enough and brings you joy and peace? The fact that he says you're his child and you're a, you're a prince or a, a princess, a bride of Christ, all these things that God says about you, are, are they enough? Or do you get your self-worth from what other people say about you, your boss, your co-workers, your mom, your dad, maybe your kids, or some of you, what your kids say about you really determines whether or not you're having a good day? Or how about social media? Man, I'm telling you, if, 
is social media has become such an influencer in people's lives. How strange a like can just build your day. When that person liked what you said, oh. Or then, take it to the next level, they commented, and they said, oh, this is so insightful. It just, you're so right on. It builds you up. But the opposite can do the same, can't it? When a person says a cutting remark on Facebook of what you posted or an article you shared, it cuts to the core and it just drains on you. The reality is, is that social media is such a, it seems as if people can be more cutting there than anywhere else. So they're not afraid to say the mean things because they don't feel the response when it hurts or when it gets you angry or when it tears you up inside. This is something that I've struggled with so much because I've spoken up on some things that I'm very passionate about and shared articles that I really feel like, to me, they really represented the heart of Jesus. But not everybody felt that way. And they've commented things that just cut me to the core, such to the point where I never even shared my opinions or thoughts anymore. Why? Because I didn't want to be beat up. And so I allowed people's thoughts about me on Facebook, of all crazy things, to determine my joy. It got me into a depressed state. And not so much the fact that people commented mean things, it's the reality that they couldn't talk to me in a kind way, face-to-face, and share their thoughts. I didn't post the thing to make anybody feel horrible. I just thought that this was something that really reflected Jesus, and I wanted people to think about it, not get in an argument and tear each other apart and create sides. So the reality is, all these things can either be influenced by the world around us or by Jesus. Your self-worth can be either influenced by Jesus or by the world. Your finances can either be influenced by Jesus or the world. What you speak can either be influenced by Jesus or the world. And it goes on. I mean, this is just a sampling of four different areas of your life that you can either be under the influence of God or this world. The thing that I want to really bring forward today is this one simple thought. Just process this with me. So often we don't even realize that we're under the influence of something. Have you ever thought about that? Some of these things that I just shared, maybe you are not even aware of the fact that you're under the influence of this world and not of God. You're taking your identity from things that aren't eternal, things that don't really matter or shouldn't matter anyway. And so here we are in this world that is heavily influencing us. It's much like an alcoholic, if you ask me. When they are under the influence of alcohol, they have no clue, do they? They might later, when they see all of the bills that, that occurred after their tap was paid, right? But they don't know in the moment. They have no clue that their talk has gone negative or maybe they've gotten boisterous. Or maybe they've 
done some inappropriate things that they can't get away with or that they're speeding down the highway, they're going down the wrong side of the road or whatever, right? A simple person who could be quiet and calm and a decent citizen all of a sudden under the influence of alcohol without them even know it, are boisterous and doing crazy things and causing a scene and having a blast and dancing with people they shouldn't be dancing with and, and getting into fights when they would never be in a fight, right? It influences them, and they're not even aware of it. And so today, here's what I want us to do. I want to look at a very short passage in the book of Daniel and reflect on the life of Daniel and what he did to battle against a culture that was pressing him in a very real way. We don't see it too much here in our lives, how much influence culture has on us, but Daniel was very much aware of it. And because he was aware of it, he was able to do something that I want you to be able to have the power to do today. And so let's dig in to Daniel chapter 1. Verses 1 through 5, and then we'll go through verse 8. And I want you to just listen to how Daniel set himself up so that he would be under the influence of God and not the world around him. Now, I want to emphasize the very first few verses kind of get a little wordy, and maybe if you don't know the Bible very well, especially the Old Testament, it gets lost And so I just want to set this up for you, set the scene so that it makes sense. Daniel has just gone into captivity. In essence, he was kidnapped to go and be a slave in another land. Jerusalem had been besieged. He came from that. That was his homeland. Israel was his home. And Israel finally was ransacked. Walls tore down. People were absolutely destroyed, slaughtered. But they kept some of the people they took back with them to serve in Babylon. Now, this, of course, was because Israel had been totally unfaithful to God for hundreds of years. And finally, God did only what he could do, and that was to give them up so that they would come back to him. He gave them so many opportunities, and they would not change. And so God finally allowed them to get to that point where they would have to change. And so here we find Daniel. Now, in another land with people who spoke a different language, different culture, different gods, different everything. And so listen to this passage. Now that I've unpacked it for you a little bit, hopefully it'll make sense as you listen. So Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom. Listen to that. Suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, perceptive, and capable serving in the king's palace. Suitable. That means they were teachable. That means they were able to, to learn and to grow. The king was aware of this, right? 
He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine and that of what he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of the time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave them Belshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. Okay. This is a lot there. But Daniel was sent to the king to be taught for three years everything about the Babylonian culture, literature, everything. In short, he was being indoctrinated and then forced to serve the king. Not only that, he was forced to eat the food, drink the wine, drink whatever they gave him. He was to totally be immersed in the Babylonian culture. Talk about cultural influence. He was stripped of his whole identity and being forced to believe in a whole different worldview. Nobody that I am aware of, at least in, in this current era of society, has had that happen to him. Now, potentially in other areas of the world that we don't have quite the, the ability to know what's going on there, but I think of like China and maybe parts of the USSR back in the day. But this was an onslaught against a culture, a total wiping out of their identity. And so after three years, he was to be a new person. Put in front of the king to serve. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's semi-hard to understand what that feels like, to what that kind of thing would be. That was some extreme indoctrination, wasn't it? But I want to be fairly bold and say that's what's happening in our world today, and we don't even realize it. Because it's not something that we can see. It's not something that, that we can even realize that we're battling. That was a physical thing that they could see. And they knew it. They could be prepared for it. We're not. You see, the culture war that we're facing isn't something that a group of people somewhere are trying to force down our throat in a very intentional, horrible way. Now, I realize that, that the enemy is using tools and people to do that, but it's not the people. It's the forces beyond them. We're not fighting against some political side or some social network of people we are dealing against an enemy who wants to wipe God out how do I know this it's found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 we do not wrestle against flesh and blood period like it could end right there but Paul goes on not only are we not wrestling against flesh and blood but against rulers against authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
we are in a battle against our souls. Not against people, not against social, whatever you want to call it. Left side, right side, whatever your hated side is. We are in a battle in the spiritual sense. And until we understand that and shift our focus from things in this world to things in the heavenlies into the spiritual darkness that's surrounding us, that's trying to press us in, we're fighting the wrong battle. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against things in the heavenlies. That's where the battle's at. It's fighting against you. It's fighting against your family. It's fighting against the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the enemy is doing this so subtly. He's he's picking it up in what you watch, what you listen to, the words that you hear around you every day, what builds you up, what tears you down, negativity, gossip, slander, Taking sides, tearing people down. Your finances are ruling over you. You, you. We should not be ruled by our money, but we are, we are ruled by God, and he's ultimately the one that sustains you. Not your money, not your job, not your career, not the government. God does. He provides. He sustains. But we try to so hard provide for ourselves. We look to the world to go the way, making the right decisions. So what did Daniel do? Daniel was forced into this. He could see it very clearly. When they came to take him, he knew exactly what they were going to do. He knew that they were going to take him and indoctrinate him for three years. It was very clear. It was was spoken. But what did he do? And what can we do to not allow the culture to rule over us, but to truly be under the influence of God. Listen to what he did. It was very, very simple. Verse 8, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. Before Daniel ever went to see the king, before he was ever placed under the eunuch, he determined he determined that he would not defile God. He made a plan. He knew exactly what he needed to do. And he stuck to it, no matter what. Now, maybe that's hard for you to grasp in your mind, and so I wanted to just bring out this in the physical, natural world. Right? Let's think about this, how about in gaining weight or getting fit or healthy. If you were to want to get healthy, would you eat healthy once a month and go to the gym once a month? Right? It takes intentionality. If you are to get good grades, do you study for one hour a week? Or if you want a healthy marriage, do you take your spouse out for a date once a year? maybe on your anniversary too, right? You need to be intentional. You predetermine that. I'm going to have a healthy marriage, and so I'm going to make it a, a goal for once a month 
time to connect with my wife or my husband. I'm, I'm determining that I'm going to get healthy, so I'm going to go to the gym three times a week, and I'm going to make sure that I eat one healthy meal every day, right? Whatever that is for you. I want to get good grades, so I'm going to spend a couple hours every day studying so that I can be ready for the test. We predetermine that we're going to do this so we can have success. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He predetermined that he was not going to defile God. He was not going to be under the influence of the culture that he was being indoctrinated. He had to be intentional because if he wasn't, all those things that they forced upon him, he would start believing over time. He would cave because he was surrounded by it. Just like we are in our culture, we're surrounded by what the enemy of our souls wants to do to us. He wants to destroy us. So he's going to send it in every area of your life, whether it's at work, in your entertainment, in your finances, in your relationships. It's everywhere. And it wants to tear you down. So you need to predetermine that you're not going to let it defile you. And instead, you're going to do something else. And we know exactly what Daniel did. If you read the rest of the book of Daniel, he was turning his face to God every day regularly praying and that's what ultimately got him thrown into the lion's den right he wouldn't stop he wouldn't bow down he predetermined shadrach meshach and abednego they wouldn't stop praying they wouldn't stop seeking god they wouldn't bow down to the king they predetermined and that's what we need to do in our life and so what does that look like for you today as we wrap this up today what does that look for you to be predetermined? Obviously, it's determining that you are not going to go down the road of allowing things in that would take you away from the connection with God that you want. Whether that's through entertainment, through the things that you hear, whatever that might be. Hanging around sometimes with people that tear you down. That's predetermining. But so is putting good things in like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They got on their face regularly. So maybe for you, that's the first thing that you do in the morning is you get up and you spend some time with God. You predetermine that that's how I'm going to fill myself and get myself under God. I'm not going to put myself under the culture, so I'm shutting off all my notifications on my phone. I'm not letting the news get through me. I'm not letting, maybe it's the sports app get through to me. Maybe I'm not going to be going on Facebook for the first couple hours of the day just because I need to get in the presence of God. For some people, you're getting that. Maybe you need to surround yourself with some people. Get away from some of those areas that are dragging you down. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't be on a softball team or on a bowling team or in the PTA or something because we need to be light to the world, but maybe, maybe they're causing you to be too much under the influence of the culture and you do need a little bit strengthening with God and so you need to surround yourself and maybe that's just one person that you're going to latch on to that's going to help you grow in your relationship with God find that person that will challenge you encourage you build you up and help you to be under the influence of God or maybe it's journaling or times of reflection however you can just process how am I doing how am I doing? And maybe it's 
being obedient. For some of us, being under the influence is acting upon what we know. We're spending time with God. We're surrounding ourselves with good people. But we need to be obedient to what God is telling us, whether that's in our giving, of our time, of our money, of our gifts and talents back to God and to build his kingdom. We need to be obedient to what he calls us to because if we're not obedient, we put a stop on the blessings. You think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't know that story, I encourage you to keep reading in the book of Daniel. It's a powerful story. Like they were being obedient to God all the way up to being thrown into a fiery furnace. They trusted God. They were obedient to do what God said. We're not going to turn from God. We're not going to bow down to any kind of idols. We're going to worship God. Daniel's the same way. I'm not going to bow down to some idol. I'm not going to stop worshiping my God. I'm going to do that. He was thrown into a lion's den. God protected him. Right? Like, that's what we're getting at. Obedience leads you into God's favor. I don't make this up. This is what God's word is all about throughout. And so being obedient with your time, with your money, with your resources, and maybe it is just simply getting more involved in your church family, wherever that is for you. I know especially for those who are following online. This has been a long season. I'm speaking right into your heart today. Because for a lot of people, they've stopped attending church and gotten their messages online. And I'm not here to beat you up or tear you down. Remember, I just want you to continue to grow in the likeness of Jesus. That's my heart for you today. And if you stopped engaging in a church family, you truly removed yourself from where God wants you to be. A church family is what encourages you in hard times. It's what challenges you when you kind of slid back and you just kind of stop really pressing into what God has for you. That's what a church family is. And not only are you affected by not being a part of your church family, your church family is affected because they're missing such a valuable piece of their family. It's like a kid that doesn't come back to holidays anymore. You miss them really do and I can think of a handful of people that since COVID I haven't seen them again and this is just a really big moment of vulnerability but I sure miss them that meant so much to me they're part of our family and I hate knowing that they're not here and I know that they haven't walked away from Jesus and they still love Jesus and they still love the church but they're being disobedient. They're allowing the things in this world to crowd out what's truly most important, being connected to a solid group of people who love Jesus and want to help them to grow. They're missing out on the obedience of giving their tithes that the Bible asks us to give. They're, they're missing out on being able to use their gifts and talents that God has given them to bless this world. They're missing out. And it hurts me knowing that they're putting a stop to the favor of God in their life. So if that's you today, I just encourage you to find a church family. Find a church family that you could connect with and, and just grow. It's not easy. 
But it takes time. It takes effort. But let me tell you, being under the influence of God, it requires us to be engaged with brothers and sisters. It requires us to engage with being faithful to what God asks us to in his word and in our spirits. And so I want to pray for you all today that God would lead you in the area where you need to start predetermining that you will be under the influence of God. Father, I pray for every person listening that their hearts would be open. Father, this was no, no criticism on any person in here today, Father. Wherever they're listening from, maybe this is 20 years down the road and they find this. Father, this is not a criticism. This is a genuine desire to see everybody under the influence of God because when we're under the influence of God, your favor is there. It doesn't mean life is easy. I realize that. But it means that we're stepping into where you are. And wherever you are, oh man, God, it's so clear throughout Scripture when we enter in to the presence of God and where he wants us to be, the favor is amazing. And so, Father, I believe every person listening desires to be under that favor. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, they will find it. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us online. And I hope that you can find a church that you can connect to. And if you desire any more information or how you can connect, whether it's here at Nexus or at some other church, I want to help you in that. You can go to nexuschurchmn.com. And you can click on all the information there. We have our email there. We have Facebook there. We have all sorts of things. You can also instant message us, direct message us, I guess is the word for it, on Facebook or on Instagram. Or, of course, you can just go call us as well. It's on the website, nexuschurchmn.com. And we hope to see you again real soon.